Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love hosted by Richard Osler. It's a Sunday afternoon at our home. I've been in California for the last week, so it feels good to be back in Utah and and doing more podcasts. Um, you wouldn't know we haven't had any interruption in podcasts because we've been releasing them on a consistent basis and recording them as needed. But we're back to in the studio, and today in my home, we have my friend Noah Hansen. Welcome to the podcast, Noah. Thank you for having me. Noah, I'll introduce Noah's... Um, and then he'll correct me if I misspeak, but Noah is 24. 23. <laughs> 23, grew up in Farmington, served a mission in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us the name of the full mission name. It's the West Virginia Charleston Mission. West Virginia Charleston Mission. Yep. Um, you're at Utah State University. Share with our listeners what you're studying. I'm going into marketing and I graduate next spring. And Noah's going to share his story as a gay Latter-day Saint. Noah's boyfriend is here, Marshall. Welcome to the podcast, Marshall. Hi, thanks for having us. Marshall is here mostly just to support, but sometimes people that are here as support end up being on the podcast a little bit. So you may hear from Marshall, you may not. (laughs) Marshall is a graduate student at Utah State University, return missionary from Atlanta, Georgia, North Mission. Mm -hmm. And you're 24, turning 25 shortly. So I've got my notes backwards. Um, Noah's just going to share his story as a gay Latter-day Saint. Noah and Marshall both are active in their wards, participating as much as they can, have a deep testimony um, of Heavenly Father, of our Savior, um, as trying to stay as connected to the church as possible. Noah's going to share his story of really coming to terms with his sexual orientation on his mission, coming out to Heavenly Father, and then coming over his mission and dating women. And um, t- we'll talk about getting engaged and then ending that engagement and then talking about how he felt his path is to date men. Um, listeners, we just share lots of different stories. If you're a consistent listener, you'll know that we share lots of stories of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, some that are in mixed orientation marriages making those work, some that are celibate making those work, and some that feel their path is a same-sex marriage. And um We're just trying to bring everybody together as the same human family. I invite everybody um, to follow church teachings, to follow um, church doctrine. But in the reality of some people's lives, they feel their path is different. Um, I don't mean sure to use the word different, just they receive personal revelation for their path forward. And we all recognize it's not consistent with the teachings of the church, but it's sort of like, what do we do now? And I think what our heavenly parents want us to do is to find unity, even in diversity, and keep the family circle together, keep friendships intact, um, help people feel God's love and support in their lives, and leave any judging to our Savior. So is that okay to frame it up like that, Noah? <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> so um, we had a prayer before we started. Marshall off- offered the prayer, and we just pray that a spirit will be here. And if and especially if you're LGBT and closeted, maybe something that Noah shares with you will be helpful for you um, as you're making your way forward and trying to figure out how to reconcile being LDS and LGBTQ. So Noah, tell us about growing up in in Northern Davis County or whatever, yeah. Farmington. Tell us about high school life. What were you into? High school life? Um, I was pretty into sports, actually very into sports. And then my senior year, I was a student body officer. Um, uh, now, my specific job was to 
uh, film for the school. So a lot of the cinematography, a lot of the videos that were played at assemblies, they, I mean, they're either good or bad, <laughs> as good as a high school film can be. Um, but yeah, those were all played there and I did sports highlights as well. And so, yeah, that was a, like pretty much my entire high school career is like trying to get involved as much as I can. And I don't regret it at all. I loved my senior year. It was really, really fun. And then like, obviously like it was super fun. But then there was also that like little bit of me that was struggling like on the inside with being gay. And, um, but I really didn't, I don't want to say that I like thought about it all the time, but like when I did think about it, it was like overwhelming and it was like, it was like very like sporadic though, whenever I would think about it. Um, but it was very overwhelming and very scary because then I would think, oh, maybe I'm not worthy to go on a mission. Or if I go on a mission, um, then I'll be sent home like early because I am gay, even if they don't know that I'm gay. <laughs> Just these different thoughts that I would have. Um, but all in all, I really, really enjoyed high school. And so. What high school were you at? Viewmont High School. 4A or 5A? It's it, it's a, it, was, it was a 5A when I went. I think it's down to a 4A. I'm probably, I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it's down to a 4A because Farmington High School opened up the year I got home from my mission. So, and then that took a lot of the Farmington people. So now I think it's down. Talk about what sports you played. So I played, all growing up, I played football and basketball. I played lacrosse for like a year and I did not like it. <laughs> my dad will be crushed like hearing that, but yeah, I did not like it. I love football though. Like I am a very big football fan. I'm a Patriots fan. That's very controversial <laughs> to say, <laughs> but, um, that is yeah. controversial. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, big sports fan. Basketball was also like one of my favorite sports and like fun. Also fun fact too. My cousin, uh, is Sam Merrill and he, uh, is, he's barely got traded actually to the Memphis Grizzlies or something like that. And so he's like, and, and he was on the bucks and they were his first year there, they were NBA champions and we all kind of disown him now because <laughs> we're jealous. <laughs> but yeah, like my whole family has been really into sports my whole life. So. And I forgot to mention your brother, um, Colin, um, was on the podcast back in November of 2018. That's almost three years ago. He was episode 58. So you've tell us just the number of siblings you have. So Colin's gay and you're gay. Tell mm -hmm. us about the number of siblings you have. So I, I have two older brothers. One, my oldest one is married. Um, he's married to a girl. And then uh, the middle child, Colin, is uh, currently dating a guy. And I'm the youngest. So Talk about some of the stereotypes. Sometimes there's this sort of stereotype of a gay man in society a gay high schooler and you don't seem to fit many of those stereotypes. <laughs> Just talk about your thoughts on that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't, I, there are definitely like stereotypes. Um, and I think like if someone's like a stereotypical gay, I guess, in, and whatever that is to you specifically, like you can pretty much guarantee that they are gay. And, but like, I think there's also a lot of closeted people that like, you wouldn't think twice, like oh, there's no way that they're gay. And, and I think everyone has their own different like stereotypes. 
in their heads of what it is. Like I, mine's probably different from Marshall's and mine's probably different from yours, but, um, I guess, I mean, I mentioned this to you earlier, like, I think the only stereotypical thing about me, and I mean, it's not even that stereotypical is like, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> and other than that, like when people, when I tell people that I'm gay, they're, they're usually just like, oh, like I should have known, like you only listen to Taylor Swift, <laughs> which is true. But like, I mean, they wouldn't have thought otherwise. And so whatever it is, like, it's, it's just different to every single person, like that stereotype gay. And so I, there's just a lot more closeted people I think that aren't very like outspoken about it. Cause they're a little bit ashamed. So maybe you wouldn't think twice about it. Talk, it's, it's kind of my thoughts on that. Talk to a closeted high school student right now. That's a sports high school student. That's thinking, you know, I'm in these sports teams and the only things I might be hearing are jokes about people like me. And mm-hmm. I could never talk to my sports teams about me. Just talk to that group that feels pretty alone. Yeah. I mean, I get that completely. Like in the locker room, there would be like jokes constantly about gay people. And if we suspected that someone from high school was gay, they were like the butt of every joke. And um, yeah, so I totally understand that. I think what's important to remember though is like, you're not alone whether or not you think you are because i'm sure that you're not the only one in that locker room or like in that classroom that uh is closeted as well like and whether that person's gay whether that person's bi or transgender whatever it is um like you're just not alone and god knows too like he knows that you're not alone and you know, he he's already accepted you and he's just waiting for you to kind of get that confidence and develop that confidence to to do so as well because that's what happened to me when i was on my mission talk, I, I didn't do that until my mission but yeah talk about your mission i love my mission <laughs> it was it's, it was such a good time i love west virginia i mean when i got my mission call i totally forgot that west virginia was even a state <laughs> I don't think most people really think about West Virginia as like where they're going to go on their missions. Um, but like, I just, I love the, like the country roads and uh, just like the woodsy rural areas. And it's just so different from Utah. <laughs> it's unbelievably different. And the people there are so humble too, because it's one of, it's not one of the, wait, sorry, let me start over. It's one of the poorest hmm. states, if not the poorest and so, um, like people are willing to give the shirts off your back and like members, I would say most members are willing to feed the missionaries however often they can. And yeah, it's, it is a really, really good experience. I learned a, a lot. I learned who I am like as a child of God and as a gay child of God, because <clears throat> it was towards the end of my mission is when I really accepted it. Like I remember um, I was in my last area and I was thinking a lot about how, like going home. I had like six weeks left and I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Like I haven't, I hadn't really come out to myself, but I was kind of talking around it. And I remember praying one night and just say flat out saying like, I know that I'm gay and I don't know how to deal with that, but I'm like glad that you know 
that you now know, Heavenly Father, that I'm gay, even though he already knew. Um, and I just got a very overwhelming sense of peace about it and that everything was going to be okay. I didn't know how it was going to be okay, but it just got that feeling. And then I, um, I made a plan actually the next day in my personal study. I didn't study scriptures. I didn't look at the preach my gospel or anything. Like I just made a plan um, to like, when I get home, I'm going to wait a couple months, like have the homecoming stuff die down. And then I'll start coming out to my parents, to my siblings and, um, and then to my friends as well. And then, but I don't, I don't really know what my dealings were with like, if I'm going to date women or if I'm going to date guys and, I was I was still kind of unsure, but, um, but yeah. So then I get home, and then the night that I got home, my brother comes out to me, <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, <laughs> kind of throws a little bit of a wrench in my plans, but I mean, it's okay. I'll deal with it. And at the time too, when he came out to me, I didn't tell him that I was gay. I I made up some like I was like, oh, I, I'm. 10% into guys and I'm 90% into girls just so that I could say it as a, just a little bit. <laughs> and then, yeah, he didn't really acknowledge that too much, but yeah, he, uh, he took that pretty well too. But then we never talked about it after that. It was mainly just about like how he was like, how he was gay and all that and how my parents were dealing with it too. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's the long-winded story of how I really accepted myself. But then as soon as I got home, it was kind of like, there's a change of plan a little bit. Um, you're doing a great job, Noah. Talk about, I just love this experience at, towards the end of your mission. Um, and we teach personal revelation. We teach, you know, a personal relationship with Heavenly Father that's so essential. What caused you to just open up to Heavenly Father and say, I'm gay? Um, to be honest, like, I really don't know what it was. I think it was just a, a lot of built up emotion with like me worrying about what's going to happen when I go home. And cause all I knew was mission life at that point. And, um, I wanted to be like as good of a member of the church as I could when I got home, but I was like, but I'm gay. I don't know how that's even possible. So then I just like, I was just like, I just need some sort of confirmation or or affirmation that like it's that this is okay, that like what I'm feeling is okay. And so then I prayed that night and felt great. Like I felt really peaceful. And like I said, I made that plan the next day. And I felt great about that plan. Go back to this idea. Do you think you said it, but I just want I don't want to put words in your mouth. How do you think God felt about you? Uh, I, I he felt the exact same about me i'd say like he loved me no matter what like my like i'm sure his image of me and he didn't change at all like his plan for me didn't change at all like he made me the way i am for a reason but he was just like waiting for me to really fully accept myself so that i can like continue this plan that he has specifically for me it's a pretty powerful statement you just said, and there's no shame in that. That's what I, one of the things I love about your personal revelation is just that you got to the place at the end of your mission, and maybe you were there earlier, 
where you recognized your heavenly father made you this way mm-hmm. and he's not ashamed of you. He loves you just the same as he loves all of his children. And I love then the person relationship you can have because you know, he loves all of you mm-hmm. and he's not looking at that something went wrong or a mistake happened here. This isn't what I thought would happen with Noah, but this is who Noah is and who I was intended Noah to be. And I just love the way that puts you on the same moral footing as all of the rest of his children. Mm-hmm. And I recognize listeners, that's a change that I've certainly seen in my lifetime and put you in just a better spot to make decisions going forward. Any more thoughts on that? That's just a really powerful principle you're teaching. I think talking to LGBT people specifically, I think just realizing that God does not make mistakes at all. Like He made you the way you are for a reason. And like, you know, me personally, like I'm finding that reason day by day, but you know, the longer that I'm in a relationship with Marshall and continuing to go to church, I'm really starting to see the nature of God and how he works and how much he really does love his children. So I think just realizing that he has a specific plan for you and our plans that we have for ourselves, like, like 99% of the time aren't <laughs> what God has planned for us, um, which is okay. And I think growing up in the church too, like the like the doctrine and the culture too, like they you have like this specific plan for your life. Like you're gonna go to high school, you're gonna go on a mission, and then you're gonna get married. Like, and then you're gonna start raising a family, raise them in the in the church and the gospel, and then you you're gonna die <laughs> and go into the next life and the spirit world and everything. And like that's just kind of the plan that is laid out for us, like all our, our whole lives. And when it's when there's a little bit of a wrench in the in that plan that I had in my in my mind my whole life, it scares me. But then, like, I realize, like, oh no, this is still God's plan. It's not like this. That was my was my own mindset. That wasn't God's. And so, I'm just realizing that He has a very specific plan for you and those around you that are affected by that, then they you can just go with confidence throughout the rest of your life with that. Talk about. This pl- so you're home for your mission, and mm-hmm. the first surprise is Colin comes out to his gay. <laughs> yeah. You assume that you've got, you know, that's you're going to be the one gay m- member of your family, and <laughs> Colin's out, and and your family's kind of processing that, and you're seeing how they're processing that in the context of you still being closeted. But talk about just um, if I had talked to you right as soon, and obviously you're going to lead up to this because you already said you got engaged to a woman. Mm-hmm. Just talk about your hopes and why you tried to make that work. Well, when Colin came out to me, um, like I said, it did kind of throw off my plans. Um, and not in like a bad way or a negative way. It was just like, okay, I got to figure this out a little bit differently now. And um, then I saw the the stuff that he was going through in regards to my parents because my parents didn't necessarily handle it very well which is it's their first time ever being exposed to something like that so it's they don't know how to navigate that giving them the benefit of the benefit of the doubt but um like just saw what he went through like mentally and he just was i don't know he was really struggling and i just didn't want like in my mind i was like that's not what my I want my future to look like. I want to be super happy. I want to stay in the church as much as I can and make my parents proud. And so then, like, I mean, I knew that this girl uh, from my mission, 
um, that I got engaged to. Like, I people have been had been telling me that she liked me and all that, and she was fun to be around. She's like she was really she really is like such a sweet person, and um, so I just thought, okay, like, that's it could be easy to date her and um, get along with her fine, and um, so selfish as that sounds like that's just kind of what my mindset was and um so then i started dating her in like december of 2018 like officially dating her um and then went on dating and then got engaged in late august of 2019 and then talk about what led you to break off the engagement well i mean the obvious answer would be that i'm gay (laughs) but um I, I don't know. So I, I remember very, very vividly when I was proposing to her, like the moment that I was on my knee and asking her to marry me, I just got this overwhelming feeling like this is not going to work. You're gay. It's just, there's just no way it's going to work. And so I, it wasn't an exciting engagement as it normally should have been for me. Um, it might've looked like that on the outside, but like inside I was just, I was really struggling. And, um, those three weeks that we were engaged, we, I, I was having a hard time. Like I was really sad. And when people would ask me like, Oh, when's your wedding? When, uh, or when did you guys get engaged? Like, show me the ring, all that stuff. Like I just was never excited to talk about it. And I knew mentally like that's not normal. Like you should be excited to talk about like your best friend that you're going to marry and, um, so that was flag number one. Like I just, I knew that a red flag number one, like I just knew that that was like not normal. Um, but then the, we used to go to the temple once a week, me and my ex. And, um, one night at the temple, I just got this feeling of like, this is not it. It's a no, you need to tell her like, that you're gay and you need to break off the engagement. And I felt that from God specifically, like I did, like there's just no way I could deny that that was from him. Like I was in the celestial room. I remember that and like really feeling that. And I was terrified obviously, but I also was like, I, I, I felt like I was okay. Like I was in good hands. And then meanwhile, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out my ex because like she has no idea what's going on and like she can see that I'm obviously distraught. And, and, and the, another thing too that I should point out is she wasn't necessarily like blinded by like me being like super sad and just breaking off the engagement that night. Like I was very sad for those three weeks. Like, and I, I was just trying to brush it off as, Oh, I have cold feet. And that's what she thought it was. And then that night when we were breaking off the engagement, I told her that I'm gay and that was the first time I'd ever said it verbally, like I'm gay. And um and I had broke down and she was very like I don't know, she was very loving when I told her. And she even said, like, like I have this new like love for you. I can't wait to get to know this part of you. And um I didn't know if she meant like we're gonna make this work. But I knew in my head, I was like, we're not, we won't be able to make this work. So I had to make that very clear. And, um, yeah, so I broke it off, 
we waited a couple of weeks um, before we got together to really talk about what had happened. And then, you know, the conversation didn't necessarily go as great as I wanted it to. And so, yeah. And then we just distance, distance from each other. She eventually moved out of Logan and, um, yeah. Thanks for telling that story. It takes a lot of courage to talk about that part of your life, but I think it's a chapter of your life that is one of your finest chapters. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really painful chapter, but I think it's a real chapter that just shows your core courage, Noah. Um, it takes a lot of courage to break off an engagement. Yeah. I hope you, our listeners got that you got that personal revelation in the celestial room and that night acted on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, you know, a stand-up guy that you are. Um, and I recognize all the inertia that's present in LDS culture for you to find a woman and get married. Mm-hmm. And of course, that would be your dream and your hope and something you've prayed for and and we're wondering if this would become a reality. And so I admire you trying to make that work. Um, but also to admire you recognizing that this wasn't your path and 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 sort of putting that pain to occur in the short term versus five or 10 or 20 years down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, no one and I talked beforehand, we both recognize that there's mixed orientation marriages that work. And, and Noah can correct me if I misspeak. No one wants anybody to hear this podcast and think that their mixed orientation isn't real or authentic um, or that those that are considering mixed orientation marriages should listen to this podcast as a way to call them off. <laughs> Um, it it goes back to the principle I think Noah is teaching us is personal revelation and personal revelation for each individual lives and the path that's best for us. Are you okay with all that, or do you want to go back and kind of further clarify any of that? No, yeah, I think that's that's great. I mean, I like I mentioned before with in regards to mixed orientation marriages, I, that's great if it works for other people, and I believe that it does. Um, but for me personally, like I just, I couldn't do that. Like I tried and it just didn't work out and it caused a lot more heartache than it really needed to be. And so, um, but that's just for me personally. Um, I admire you coming out to her and telling her why. I hope everybody got that. Um, that took a lot of courage and I hope you, everybody recognized that was the first person you ever told outside of God. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and so the day before, actually, I kind of told my brother. It's okay. Yeah. But I didn't say I'm gay. I just like, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> it wasn't even like confirmed at all. But yeah, she was definitely like the first, like, like I am like gay. And so. And I just, I recognize you could have said other things to her to end that engagement and mm-hmm. stay closeted. And my guess is she would have looked inward and thought this is all about me. And it would have been much harder for her to recover if that's the right word or move forward in her life. But I think that was just a sign of your integrity um, to be honest with her about why you were breaking this engagement off. And, and as I'm sure she came to understand that was something outside of her control. Mm-hmm. And it's painful for both of you. No one wants to see an engagement, you know, end. But I just recognize 
um, the courage and the integrity and just a stand-up guy you are trying to do the very best you can. Um, talk about if I'd, there's probably people listening that want to make a mixed orientation marriage work that are dating mm -hmm. a, a gay guy or a gay woman. Was there any chemistry between the two of you? Was it, was it just an emotional, was there any physical connection or as you look back, was it just an emotional connection or a, or whatever connection there was, you just knew it wasn't sustainable. Any principles you want to share there for others that are trying to figure out is, is Noah's situation like mine or is mine a little different? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that there was chemistry. Like we got along so great and we, like our humor was the exact same and um, our interests were also pretty similar too. And she was always, she was also very like, giving and she sacrificed a lot of things which i admired a lot like she was from she's from california and she moved to logan um to date me which i mean it put so, like a lot of pressure on me to date her but like like just the fact that she was willing to do that uh just said a lot about who she was and how giving and loving that she was as a person and so i would say like, like there was definitely chemistry but and i and i loved her but it was a different kind of love it's really hard to explain but like it was just a different love like I loved her you know as a person I wasn't necessarily attracted to her which is a huge factor into making sure that like that like a marriage <clears throat> like a marriage works and a relationship works and so I just knew that I was like I'm not necessarily attracted to her and so that was like a big reason why I did break off my engagement in the first place. But for people that are trying to make a mixed orientation relationship work, they just they keep God in every aspect of that relationship because I think that will really help. And I did my best to keep him in there, but like in the end, it just didn't really work out for me. So, um, Thanks for answering that question. It's a good answer. And in the book I wrote, Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Saint, Latter-day Saints, I talked about just general principles to make mixed orientations potentially work. And I think honesty in the dating process, and I don't want to feel like you weren't honest, but I would generally, and I, if you're not straight, I think you need to tell your partner sometime in the pre getting engaged stage, mm -hmm. um, not on the first date, but sometime in the pre getting engaged yeah. that one of you is not straight and, so then you can all process that fact in your relationship and that may bring you closer together as you're vulnerable and your partner is also vulnerable, but it may give each of you better clarity about your relationship, what's um, the best thing going forward. And I, did you come close to talking to her about your sexual orientation earlier in the dating or did you just think that this would kind of take care of itself? I just thought, yeah, I just thought it would take care of itself. Like I just thought like, if I date this girl long enough, like I will become very attracted to her. I will like not even think about my gay feelings or, and like longer I went, like I would trick myself mentally. Like it's like, Oh, like this is working. Like I'm in a relationship with a girl and God's helping me become straight. And it just got to the point where I just pushed that, those feelings down so much that it just, like exploded and kind of came out of nowhere when I proposed, but was, that's just what happened. And I think I just, there's just a lot of built up feelings that I had that was 
suppressing. Um, good job. Great answer. And I just think you're making the very best decisions you could. Talk about once the dust settled and sort of there's, I guess, this chapter where the engagement's ended and there's family need to be notified and friends. And so then talk about what your conclusions were of your path going forward after that engagement ended. Um, well, when I broke off the engagement, um, I made the plan to be celibate, um, to be alone and just stay in the church as much as I could, or to really just to stay in the church fully. And um, that was definitely the darkest month of my life. I mean, luckily it was only a month and I'm blessed by that, but I, yeah, that was one of the darkest moments of my life. Why? Just because I, like I mentioned before, I had this whole plan of my life, like just because the church has, has a specific plan for people. And, um, like I just had a wrench thrown in my plans and, and it was something that I couldn't control though. Like it wasn't like I decided or chose to be this way is like it's just who I am but it doesn't coincide with the church and the teachings and so now I got to figure out a different path that I that is completely different from what I thought my entire life so it was, that's why it was really really dark and I didn't think either too that I would find a guy that is not angry at the church and that is not like wanting to be active as much as they can and raise also a family um, within the church and its teachings. And because there's a lot of good aspects and teachings of the church that I love and have blessed my life. And so like, I've wanted to do that, but I didn't think it was going to be possible. Um, and so I was just like, I'm just going to be alone and that's going to suck, but it's God's plan for me to be alone, which is a very sad thought for me. But yeah. And then, um, like I said, me and me and uh, that girl that I got engaged to, we got together and had that conversation, and that was when it really changed for me. I just thought, you know, I I should at least try to date guys because I'm very sad. I'm like I wasn't ever suicidal, and I'm blessed that I wasn't suicidal because I know that there are people that are, you know, closeted or not. Like there are people that are suicidal. Um, and I mentioned this to you earlier, but like the closest I ever got to that point was like, I just thought like, Oh, if I don't wake up the next day, then, then that's not a big deal. And like people can move on and all that. But now I don't feel that way, but that was the closest I got. So I'm very blessed in that regard. Um, but then I you know, started to see guys and, then that was when I met Marshall, like a couple of weeks later, and the rest is history <laughs> from there. So, how long have you and Marshall been boyfriends? We've been boyfriends for almost two years now, and we were we were very secretive with our dating for a while because, and I, I kind of like fell off the face of the earth, <laughs> like on social media, and like just because I just really wanted to get away from like just comparing myself to other people and really trying to figure out like um, my own life and my own plan. And then I, if I got to a point where I was comfortable enough to like share and share a little bit of my life, then I, then I would do that. But I really needed to get away. And it 
that helped so much because I was able to come closer to God because of that. And I was also able to really develop a genuine connection with somebody who I am attracted to. So has your faith decreased, maintained or increased since Marshall's come into your life? It's, Oh, it's increased. Like it's increased so much because he's helped me. He's helped me see like that. It's okay to live in ambiguity. Like, I, cause I'm always, I'm someone that just has to know something and, and, or like a reason why something exists. And, um, he's helped me be this realize that the first principle of the gospel is faith. And I wasn't having any faith. Like I just needed to know why am I gay? Why, like, what is my plan? And, or what is God's plan for me? And like, am I still worthy to go to the temple? Like, and he's just helped me really see that you know if you don't have faith in god like you're never gonna be able to live your life and so because of that i've been able to maintain or or increase my relationship with god see him for who he is and really understand what the atonement is for and um you know who jesus christ is too because he knows how it feels to be me he knows how it feels to um just struggle with this kind of uh, it's not a trial in, in my eyes anymore, but just like just a struggle with this in the church. And so Marshall has helped me a lot with that. Like he's he's helped me maintain and increase that relationship with God. And like we we go to church every single week. And like, I mean, yeah, there's times when like like every other member feels like maybe you don't get anything out of church. But just the fact that we're there for to me, it feels like home. And I feel like God's there with me and like he is proud of me for making it another week to come to church and take the sacrament, do all that I can to, to please him, but also live my life the best that I know how. So, um, That's a really good segment. I love that your faith increase and your relationship with God increase. And I love the role of Marshall's life, role in your life. As we visited before we went live, listeners, I just these are two men that are in the same place in a lot of ways with the relationship with their church, return missionaries, wanting to stay connected to the church as much as possible, attending church weekly. Mm-hmm. What keeps you, you know, some would say, you know, if you marry a man, um, obviously you can't fully participate in the church. You may even lose your church membership. Why would you continue to come to church and why and what would and shouldn't you be really angry at a church that it would, you know, in whatever words, <laughs> talk about your anger and why you'd continue, if any, and why you'd continue to attend the church, even if you got married to a man? I mean, I've never really been angry towards the church. There's, I've been frustrated at times and I've had questions like every, like I'm sure a lot of people have. Um, but in regards to, marrying a man and why I feel the need to do that and why I want to do that is just, I don't know. I, with my experiences and telling like my Bishop last semester about me and then like my friends within the church and just other, and just stuff that has been said recently, like within the church about LGBT community, like LGBT people, like, and it hasn't been, hasn't been negative at all. I just, I see it more as like a positive thing and that like, I will be okay. And like the possibility of losing a church membership, like 
I mean, personally, I just don't feel like that would happen because we're doing everything that we can. We're doing it. We're going to be just like a straight couple, but gay. <laughs> and um, so that that's kind of where my thoughts are with that. Like I, I just feel that this path is right for me and I don't really have any fear or anger towards the church or like losing my membership or anything like that. I'm under, I'm aware that like there will be restrictions of what I can do, but as long as I'm able to still come to church and feel a part of a part of like the ward family, wherever we're at, then that's all that matters to me and Marshall and, and with our kids too, hoping that they're accepted just as much as a straight couple's kids. We hope that we hope that that's the case. And we believe that that, that that can be the case as well. Talk about, um, you've got five roommates that are LDS at Utah State. Mm -hmm. Talk about, are you out to those roommates and how did they, if so, how have they responded having a gay roommate? Yeah, I, I told, I told my five roommates about a year ago, it wasn't all, it wasn't all at the same time, but, um, I would just tell one person after another and, you know, eventually everyone knew and they have been very accepting. Like our friend group hasn't changed. Like they, they welcomed Marshall with open arms and they are, they already knew Marshall and, but they just knew him as my friend. And I think that really helped, um, to see that they know Marshall for who he is, not as, oh, he's Noah's boyfriend. And we should feel a little bit different about that. They were actually able to like see him as a person before they even knew and that's how they, because that's how they were with me. They got to know who I was as a person. And then I just also happened to be gay. And they've been great. They really have been, have been great. And I've gotten closer to What have to they them. done? What have they done to be great? I mean, <laughs> they, they just didn't treat me differently. I think that's the biggest thing. They just haven't treated me differently. And um, I'm also a little bit more relaxed, like, when it, when we do talk about it and I'm not like, it's not like they have to walk on eggshells around me or anything. Like if they want to talk about it, then we can talk about it. Um, they're not afraid to talk about it and they treat, they treat Marshall like my partner. just like another straight couple. And so yeah, they've, nothing's changed. Like as, as like insignificant as that sounds, it's a huge deal. Like nothing has changed. I don't feel any different around them. And yeah, we still joke the same. We we still have the same interests and do game nights all the time. And so, yeah, it's been great. You know, when I just couldn't have done that when I was your age, you mm -hmm. know, if a roommate had come out or a missionary companion came out where I was and where our culture was, I, I just know that I wouldn't have been able to do what your roommates are doing. Mm -hmm. And that part of your story... You know, it just makes me, all of your story is great. But that part, I just recognize how much improvement we've made and that these are your roommates. These are guys that yeah. you share, you know, a roof over and that they're not, that they didn't withdraw from you. Yeah. And I think that's obviously the way you've learned Heavenly Father feels about you. And so to have roommates, I think it just helps, um, it helps people to know that and I don't know where your five roommates got to that point. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just part of a maturing of our society and maturing of our church and 
having better understanding. Yeah. So um, just keep telling your story. I've asked a bunch of questions, <laughs> but I don't know if there's things that are on your mind you'd just like to share with listeners. Um, so something that came to my mind when you were when we were talking about like my roommates and everything, um, in regards to this is mainly to people like who are closeted and they don't and they think that like if they tell their friends or their family um, that like it's going to be the end of the world and then they those friends won't want to be friends with them anymore and they'll get disowned or from their family or whatever the case may be. People are a lot more accepting than I think we realize, especially now. Like and we, like with like the like mainstream media like make talking positively about LGBT people and um like we're not afraid to talk about it anymore. I just think that people are a lot more accepting than people realize. Cause I remember I remember telling Marshall, like when we were secretly dating, I was like, I cannot tell my roommates or I can't tell, you know, my mission people my mission buddies and because they're gonna think I'm different. Like they're gonna disown me. And um like I don't necessarily remember anything that Marshall would say to comfort me. I mean I'm sure he did because he's Marshall. <laughs> but um like I just had that fear <clears throat> that that would happen. And then the first roommate that I told, like, I remember like we were on like a, on, on a, on his porch and we were just like laying there and talking. And then I just got this feeling like I need to tell him. And, um, so then I told him it went great. Like no, no fear at all. Like was there anymore. And so I just got the confidence to start telling people. And he's not the first friend that I told, but that was when I first like, it's like people are a lot more accepting than I realize. And so. I like the word you've used. I was just more relaxed. Mm -hmm. um, that this part of me that I hadn't shared with my roommates now that they all know and they know about Marshall mm -hmm. and then know the context of relationship that that just the word relaxed, I think is a good word. Mm -hmm. just to describe how you felt, that you're not kind of living this, that you're just being able to be authentic with who you are, with people that you're close to, and just mm -hmm. the feeling of belonging that that can create, that you don't have to be somebody you really aren't to fit in. You can just belong yeah. based on who Noah is. Yeah. More thoughts that come to your mind on any subject you want to share with our listeners? Um, I don't know why I feel like I want to talk about this, but I kind of want to just like talk about Marshall for a second. Like I've, I've never met someone who is more Christ-like in my entire life. Like, and I've never been so sure of like, of marrying someone or just being in a relationship in general, like having it feel so right. Cause he treats me so well and we're really good for each other too. Like when someone's down, the other person's up and they can help bring that person that's down um, back to where, you know, where they should be like mentally and healthy, healthy and everything. And yeah, he's, he's just like the sweetest guy on the planet. And you can, and you can talk to any of my friends and they'll say the same thing. Sometimes I don't feel like I deserve him, but like he, I don't know, God's, God's helped me realize I am worthy of, that love and Marshall's also helped me re realize that too. That I'm worthy and he's worthy of my love. Like we're just, we're really good for each other. And so I can't wait to marry this guy. <laughs> uh, 
How do you spend time with Marshall's family and how do they treat you? They're awesome. Like they're very accepting. And I mean, Marshall's mentioned this before, but like, uh, like his family used to not always be like that. Like it took time for them, but they're very accepting now. And I've been told multiple times by them that I'm just another member of the family. And they, I don't know, I went on a trip with them like a month ago to California and I got like majorly sunburned <laughs> on my feet and I just, I, I just kind of got wrecked there and I got like blisters and everything and they were able to like help me like just, I don't know, they were able to comfort me and just be there for me and get me what I needed and didn't ask questions, weren't judgmental and just like little things like that. It's just like, like I feel very welcomed in that family and they're, and I don't know, they, they also have like testimonies of the gospel and in regards to just like accepting people too, they have testimonies of, so. I love your tribute to Marshall. What a great thing to just, with all the things you could have said right then, Noah, you just want to talk about Marshall. Mm -hmm. And he's here and I'm sure if we put the <laughs> mic in front of him, he'd say the same things about you. <laughs> he's nodding his head yes, but... <laughs> Um, listeners, same-sex dating is complicated. I have a lot of parents that reach out to me and say, my kids, you know, I've got a gay son or a gay daughter. And the reality of our situation now is that child feels their path is to date men or date women. Um, and I just, I, I just invite people to go slow, to try to date someone their own age, to try to find someone with their own values, um, to pray and ask Heavenly Father to guide you on that road. There's a as, as I've been in this space for a while, it's not easy to do what Noah and Marshall are doing. And, and so I just, you know, and often for parents, it's really scary because they don't, if their kids same-sex dating, they, their mind, just like my mind as a parent, goes down all these roads that kind of are scary. But sometimes then when you meet somebody that's, a, that's kind of their equal, um, that is building them and not, you know, it's a relationship that's one plus one equals three is a great principle of a relationship is, am I a better person from being in this relationship? Am I lifting that person? Is that person lifting me? Are we able to be vulnerable and authentic? Then I think some of the fear goes away. Yeah, it's still a path outside the doctrine of our church, but in the reality of some situations, that's going to be the reality. So you want to do that in the most responsible way you can. There's a lot of ways to do that. There's the multiple partner. There's the club scene. There's the scene of drugs and alcohol that get mixed all into that. And and I just, and some people just, I think there's different ways to do that. And I like the way you guys are doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that God's involved in your life. And I love that you want to stay connected to church. And I just recognize that it's just complicated, listeners. And it helps me to hear this story because it helps me to realize there's there's better ways than other ways to do this. And there's principles here in this. This feels like a relationship where you haven't rushed it. You have been pretty mature. You've been pretty thoughtful. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you're living together. No. Um, and you're going to church together. So it seems like the advice I give all relationships to go slow, <laughs> um, to make thoughtful decisions. Um, any advice, any more thoughts on this whole dating um, Marshall, we're going to get Marshall to pull Let's the bike up. <laughs> yeah. Um, just as you say that a lot of thoughts come to my mind because, 
Um, I had a little different story than Noah and I got home from my mission and really just wanted to date in the temple for a while and that just didn't work. And after a while I wanted to date guys and it was just really tough because I, when I, when I decided to date guys, I wanted to date someone with my same values. And that was just really hard to find for me. And so there was a span of about two years or so where I just felt so alone because I wanted so badly to be in a relationship with someone. And I, I wanted to feel what my friends were feeling when I saw them getting engaged and, you know, going on dates. And that was just very difficult for me to see that and want that so badly. But I just felt like it didn't exist. And, uh, you know, there was times when I was just praying and just begging God, like, am I just going to be alone my whole life? And there was one experience where I had, uh, I was actually watching an Elizabeth Smart documentary and, you know, it talked about her story and got to the end of that story where it showed her and her husband and they got married in the temple. And it, it just kind of like the spirit overwhelmed me in that moment. And it just felt like I knew that God was promising me that I would have that. And that moment kind of gave me hope to move forward. And that's what I needed, you know, just during this difficult time of feeling like I would be alone for forever. And, and I mean, I knew, I know that I was young, but I think it was just scarier the fact that I was gay. And I also wanted to be with someone who needed God in their life. And that was just difficult to find. So it just felt impossible at the time. Um, but the one thing that I have learned through that whole process is things happen in God's timing and you just have to trust him because when the timing was right, Noah came into my life and, uh, you know, he had to go through that experience with his engagement before we were to meet each other. And the timing on his life and my life worked out perfectly, even though I wanted it so badly in the moment, God knew it wasn't ready. It wasn't the right time yet, you know? And then when he finally did come into my life, you know, it filled such a hole that I had for so long. And, uh, you know, we have taken it slow and we have been very thoughtful and, and we didn't settle for something less than what we wanted and what we knew we deserved. And because of that, we, we kept close to God and he guided us to one another. And so that would be any advice that I have talking to someone else is, you know, it may feel impossible sometimes, it may feel hopeless, but God does have a plan and it doesn't fit with what our plan is. And that's been hard for me to learn because I love to make plans and uh, Noah laughs because it's very true. Um, but God's plan is always perfect. And, you know, if we trust in that, things just always work out how they're supposed to. I'm glad you took the mic, Marshall. <laughs> this is, you know, there's, I'm really at peace just hearing your story and at peace that God's in your lives and that sometimes I'm seeing just a little bit of God's plan and I've just learned to just um, offer you my support, um, my encouragement, um, and to leave any judging at this at the feet of my Savior who has a perfect understanding about your individual life journeys and the personal revelation you're receiving. My personal revelation doesn't give me the ability to judge your personal revelation. It's such an important principle in our church. So I've learned just to honor your personal revelation. I've, I've also wondered in the back of my mind as I extend 
I mean, I, if you had just come home from your mission and opened up to me as gay and I was your priest leader, I wouldn't have said, well, go date men. I would have invited you to follow the teachings of our church. But if you had said to me, my, I really feel now my path is to date men, I would have said as your, as your parent or your priest leader, well, I'll walk with you mm-hmm. on that road. My relationship in your life doesn't change. Um, I want to walk on that road with you. I want you to tell me about that road. I want you to tell me your highs, your lows, and I will do that without an agenda. I'm not doing that so I can secretly sort of pull you back to what I think your best path forward is. I'm just going to walk with you down that road without agenda. And I, to be honest, part of the reason is I don't, I, I want to keep the family circle together, the friendship circle, and I recognize that the way I treat you may help you have less anger back towards the church. If I, as a church person, extend grace and kindness and support and and just honor your path. And, and maybe we meant, this isn't, I'm looking at you, but I'm really talking to all of us, is I think sometimes the way we handle people as they receive personal revelation can affect how they feel about us in the church. If we don't point to them as, all the things we could say about you guys mm-hmm. that you've heard, I won't repeat them, but just say, this is, we're, we're all part, you guys vote for the same plan I did in the pre-earth life. Mm-hmm. We really go to the 40,000 foot level. We're all spirit brothers and sisters. We have the same heavenly parents. We were with each other. So I'm just going to kind of remember that. And instead of trying to find ways to divide us or separate us or sift us, I mean, I love this line. We're called to be, um, not sifters, but gatherers. There's a better phrase than that. We're not called to be sifters. Um, that's not our job. Our job is to call to be gatherers or catch stones, as Elder Rendland. So, you know, that's just some of the ways, listeners, how I process this. And I love Elder Cook's talk about unity and diversity. And there's some diversity here. Um, there's sexual orientation diversity and there's life paths diversity. But there's a lot of unity here. And listeners, I just think there can be a lot of unity within the Latter-day Saint community around LGBTQ people. I think this can be one of our finest moments as a faith, is the kindness and love and inclusiveness we extend to everybody within our faith and even those that are considering joining our faith on how we treat um, our fellow members. So I'll turn it back to you guys for any more comments. I mean, like I've said before, um, and talking to uh, LGBT people, like God has a very specific plan for you. And whether or not you can see that plan, he has it. He has it there and it's ready. It's just all in his timing. I think that is honestly one of the, like the number one thing that, that has like helped increase my testimony is just realizing it's his timing. Like, it's not mine, as much as I want it to be. It's not mine. And it, when it, whenever it is his timing, um, it always works out perfectly. I mean, I I didn't know that I was one day going to have to break off an engagement um, and like due to my sexual orientation. But, like, that was something that God did have planned. And it led me to Marshall. And like I said, it works out perfectly that way. 
And now I'm living the best life that I possibly can. And I know that I'm very blessed in regards to what I've been through, like with certain aspects, like I've had dark times. I, with all of this, as every LGBT LDS person goes through, but um, like, I know that there are like harder, I guess, mental stages that people have been in because of this and because of whether it's the culture or just the church in general, like, I just know that like, it's hard, like it's really, really tough, but it, like you're going to get through it. And I, I got through it and like God is going to be there every step of the way, whether or not you can feel him or, you know, see his hand in it. And so that's, that's one of the main messages that I wanted to, to, portray to LGBT people who are closeted or out. And then also in regards to people who are trying to deal with like either their son or their daughter who's gay or um, bi or whatever it is, um, just be patient with them. Like be patient with those, with your kids and also vice versa. Like LGBT kids need to be patient with their parents because it's new for them. And um, like even if they like, I don't even know, like even if it's super difficult at first, eventually they'll get to a point where, you know, they'll, they'll want to talk about it and, um, might not be for a while. Like it really might not be for a while, but eventually they'll get there because I think most parents would want their, would want their kids to be in their lives rather than not at all. And just be, just because of who they're attracted to, like I just don't think that's like any any decent parent's mind. I don't think <laughs> I don't think that that's what they that they would want is to not have their kids in their life at all. And so, just patience on both ends, and it'll all be worth it in the end. It's good. Anything you'd like to add, Marshall? Yeah, um, I think the the main thing for me is that. Whether, you know, it's a parent who is trying to be supportive of their gay son or daughter or uh, struggling with how to accept that or somebody in a position like Noah and I where, you know, coming to terms with being gay, I think the key is just striving to stay close to the Savior Jesus Christ and follow his example. Because when we do that, everything else seems to fall into place. Um you know, like there's, uh, people always say charity never faileth. Um, you know, it's in the scriptures. And I think that's so true that because when we just have Christ-like love, you know, things just work out a lot better. And that's something that can be really difficult to develop, especially in situations that are stressful and worrisome. And, uh, it's just, stresses the importance of staying close to Christ and being able to apply his attributes in our lives and in our individual circumstances. And that's something that we're continually striving to do as well. And mm -hmm. that's why we're here on this earth. And I think that's why we go through different challenges and different experiences, because that's what stretches us and pushes us to be able to develop these Christ-like attributes so that we can return to our father in heaven. Yeah. And if I may add one more thing, um, but in regards to parents having, like, trying to deal with their kids and I just, something that is really misunderstood is um, there's, there's some parents that uh, worry that if they love and they accept this part of their kid, 
that they are condoning it and that they um, are having to change what they believe in regards to the church. And you, you, you don't have to change anything that you believe and they, to just accept and love somebody for who they are and, and support it too. Because like, like Marshall said, you know, charity never faileth. And someone that has a very supportive uh, parent is you know less likely to even think about committing suicide or anything like that. And so they, it's important to realize that, you know, just because you're accepting it, you're supporting it and you're loving them doesn't, you don't have to change anything that you believe. And, um, you know, even though like we think differently, like we believe differently in regards to like homosexual relationships, um, I get that's okay to have a difference of beliefs. And so I think that's, I think that's very confused in regards to the culture because it, it's new to them. Like it's new, it's new to parents that like they don't understand how to go about it. And so I think that's something to keep in mind when you're trying to figure out how to love and accept that child because that child hasn't changed. Nothing about them has changed. Like, and especially not in God's eyes, like nothing's changed. And so, you know, if we want, if we want to be, you know, Latter-day Saints, I think it's important to, uh, really accept that child and you can also not change your belief as well. So. I love that. And it took me a while to get to that point, but I'm certainly at that point now. And, and it's kind of relieving to get to that point, to be honest, because it's not my responsibility. You know, I just take care of myself and show charity to other people and love and leave any judging to the savior. If your parents are listening, I, I think I hope that you recognize, I mean, you have raised two great sons. Um, they're in college and graduate school that have great careers ahead of them, serve wonderful missions, help people, and are just so grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think are doing a, their very best job of being gay and Latter-day Saint and, and keeping both of those parts in their lives. So much of society says, well, you, you can't do both. You've got and you're doing a good job of helping people understand that you can do both. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I think some families, this is, they kind of go through the stages of grief in some ways. I hope that's yeah. a good parallel where it's sort of like denial, acceptance. And some parents that I meet with that have a child in a same sex marriage, um, it's not what they thought would happen in their family, but it often brings the whole family together. And the principles that this caused the family to sort of have to talk about just brings the whole family together in more honesty, more communication, more vulnerability. And the family circle can get tighter. So if you're listening, family's wondering if this is going to be your future, I think it can be your, one of your finest family moments, parenting moments, is how you navigate this and your ability to keep the family circle together. I think that's what... Um, one of the greatest things we can do as parents is do everything we can to keep the family circled together. Um, so now I'm going back to the Patriots. I meant to ask you this question a long time ago. <laughs> oh, we're no. going from deep to shallow. So listeners, <laughs> we're doing a sports podcast for just a second. Okay, so I've never been a Tom Brady fan. Okay. <laughs> and he goes to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. And I watched that Super Bowl. I watched that whole playoff series fascinated 
Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, and I was so glad he won. I, but I'm wondering, as a Patriot fan, <laughs> who you're rooting for in the Super Bowl? Oh, see, it's so complicated. <laughs> Is it more complicated being gay in LDS? <laughs> it's, it's about equal. Okay, just checking. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know. Personally, I've never been a huge fan of Tom Brady. This, like, I mean, I, I know he's like a great quarterback, and that's an understatement. Um, but I don't know. There's other players that I really admired on the Patriots, and that's why I like the Patriots. And so, like, it wasn't just him. <laughs> so when he left, I was still rooting for the Patriots, like, wholeheartedly. And, like, and with the Super Bowl, like, I don't know. I I was fine. If did either, you watch the game? Yeah, I did. I, okay. was, I was fine if either team won. <laughs> like, I really didn't care. But, I, like, part of me was hoping that, you know, Brady would lose. <laughs> but, like, at the same time, I was like, if like, if he wins, that's awesome for him. That just proves that he's the GOAT and... He is the GOAT. I didn't, I mean, I've never seen a player impact the franchise like I saw Tom Brady impact that franchise and yeah. his work. And it it gave me more respect for him. I've never quite understood. I mean, so that was interesting for me as mm-hmm. not a real serious football plan, fan, but. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So That's now funny. we'll get off football for a second. But I just, <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> We'll end on a serious note. Just um, thanks, listeners, for listening. I it, The way you can help this podcast is leave a review at on the Apple podcast. You can leave a star rating. But more important, if you write a written review, it really helps the podcast. You can um, – that's one way to help. You can't donate to what um, we're doing here. And if you want to buy my book, it's called Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. All the proceeds from that book go to – a foundation for a young LDS gay man who did die by suicide in high school, a Davis County um, person up kind of your neck of the woods. And Mm -hmm. that's really what got me in this space was just realizing how difficult this is to be gay in LDS and wanting to do all I could just to bring more understanding. But it's not really me that's bringing the more understanding. (laughs) It's the platform of people like you that bravely step forward and share their stories. So that's what makes this podcast work. And it brings us together as the same human family. I would have loved to have heard stories like you, um, stories, Mm -hmm. um, before I was a YSA bishop. When those first few gay men walked in my office, I had had very little experience in this space. Mm -hmm. But I did feel impressed to listen to them. Um, And I really felt impressed to let be open enough to learning that they could teach me about being gay versus all the straight people in my life teaching me about LGBTQ people. And that's certainly been a part carried over in the podcast. And I learned things from both of you during this podcast that have been very helpful. Mm. So you two have a great life ahead of you. You're going to have great careers. You're in a committed relationship. I love that you're trying to stay as involved in the church as possible. And I hope we do everything we can to help you feel like you're needed. We had another earlier guest that kind of broke my heart. He says, you know, I'll just pass out songbooks if that's all I can do. And I, your your gifts and talents are more than passing out songbooks. Mm-hmm. We need you, and I hope that you can contribute as much as possible, and perhaps over time we even learn how you contribute more as our leaders are continuing to get more light and understanding on this subject. I don't think we're at the finish line listeners. And um, 
you know, we don't really get into debating doctrine or doctrine could change, but I'll just say, I don't think we're at the finish line. We just have more work to do. Mm-hmm. And often it helps when people like you share your stories and are able to participate in the church because as much as you can, because that's kind of how my heart changed was meeting people that were willing to participate in the church. And I recognize some listeners have separated themselves from the church and I don't want you to feel like I'm on your case. I just honor everybody's individual journey. So I hope you felt the spirit. I hope impressions have come into your mind on your path forward, or if you're an ally, what you can do. And I'm thankful for these good men, Noah Hanson, Marshall, tell us your last name again. Marshall Day. D-A-Y. Yep. I don't think we ever said that. So now we know Marshall Day, <laughs> Noah Hanson, and this is Richard Osler signing off. <laughs>